Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. I was once stalked by my high school boyfriend. I was a senior and he was a junior when I split up with him. He was already controlling, judgmental, and abusive. When I told him that I was moving on to college at a local university, he went freaking crazy. He literally lost his damn mind. He started sending me threatening messages. And this is no exaggeration, about 200 a day. Then he started with the phone calls. He started showing up during my classes, showing up at my house. On one occasion, he broke into my car and sat in the back seat. My best friend and I had gone to the movies. We came out and I was going to drop her off at home and she noticed a huge mark on my passenger side door. She looked in the back seat and there he was laying on the floor trying to hide. I was so freaked out that I bought a new car with new plates. Then he broke into my dorm room. I then left the dorms because I felt unsafe and I moved into an apartment not far from my college campus. I had two female roommates with me in the new apartment. Lo and behold, he found out where I was living and he broke in there too while I was in the shower. I told him to get the hell out and he came at me with a knife. I had to call the cops and lock myself in the bathroom but by the time the cops showed up, he was already gone. I soon started dating another guy. He was an absolute gentleman, and I warned him about the ex-boyfriend. Well, ex-boyfriend crashes one of our dates and jumps new guy with five friends. I also ended up with my face smashed in for being a quote-unquote cheating whore. I moved back into my parents' house. Ex-boyfriend attempted to break into my parents' house at 5 o'clock on a Sunday, so my entire family was home. My father caught him and put a gun in his mouth, and that was the end of that. Dad is 6'5", ex-military, and pretty damn scary. And just for the record, Dad did not kill him. However, I do think that that was enough to scare him away. He's left me alone for five years now. Sometimes I travel back home and when he sees me, he always looks the other way. That was sent to us from an anonymous listener. This happened to me during October of my first year of university. I was living in the dorms, and I need to give you a brief rundown of the dorms. First of all, you need a key card to gain access to your specific floor. So even if you have someone on the third floor and fourth floor living in the same building, they can't access each other's floors. I had injured myself playing sports, so I was under orders to rest, which meant no Halloween parties for me. Pretty sad for a horror fiend like myself. But to try and make the time a happy one, I busied myself helping to make costumes for people and doing their makeup. Once I was finally finished, I packed up my makeup and decided to watch some movies in my room. A guy popped up and introduced himself. We chatted a bit and exchanged email addresses, and I walked back to my room and said goodnight. The first warning sign was that he walked into my room behind me, despite me saying that I was going to walk into my room. I felt really awkward and tried to say, in a roundabout way, that he needed to leave but he wasn't getting the hint. I finally had to say, you need to leave my room now. I chalked this up to him maybe being drunk or something along that lines, 
but I did wonder how he got onto my floor if he wasn't with anyone partying. Before I went to bed that night, I checked my email and there were five from this creep. The first one said, hey, I'm so glad we're friends, and the rest asking why I wasn't online. Well, fast forward to a few days later, I got a knock on my door when I was studying and it was him. I explained that I was studying and I needed my privacy. He tried to walk into my room again, but I braced my arm on the frame and said firmly that I needed to study. The next day, he was at my door again, and the next. I began pretending that I was not at home. Another day, there was a knock at the door, and when I checked the peephole, there was no one there, and I assumed the postman had come. I opened the door, and lo and behold, it was the creepy guy. He has begun hiding from the peephole, so I would be more likely to actually answer the door. I told my roommate to never open the door if he was out there. I also told the people living on my floor that this guy was beginning to creep me out. So if he wanted to get on the floor, whatever sob story he gave them, don't let him in. A few days later after that, I was on the bus coming home and I got a text from someone who lived on my floor telling me not to come home because creep was on my floor and was sitting in front of my door, just waiting. I went to the friend's house and spent the night and when I got home, I was told that he waited for four hours before leaving. At this point, I was really getting freaked out. A few days after that, he began waiting outside the building, and if I left, he would follow me wherever I went. I was too spineless to tell him to go away, and I tried to be more passive about it. I never spoke and never gave him any indication I was paying attention, but he followed me to class, the cafeteria, and always tried to follow me home and get access to the floor. I went to the resident advisor, who's an older student that was sort of watches over our floor. I told her what had happened. She spoke to the RA for the floor, and I was told that that creep had been telling his own RA that we were the best friends in dating. My RA tried to explain that I was uncomfortable, but the other RA believed him, and that was that. Thankfully, one thing did deter him. He would never approach me if I was with a group of people, so my floor mates banded together. If I went to dinner, I went with my floor. And if I wanted a drink or seconds, someone had to come with me. Walking to class and even waiting for the bus was done in a group. He got onto my floor once when someone else was coming home and he forced his foot in the door to let himself in. I was hidden in another room and when he left my door to go sit in the television lounge to wait for me, I went downstairs and ran around to the other side of the building and got into my room before he noticed. Then the phone calls began. I never gave him my number, but he somehow obtained my mobile and my room phone. And at first, it would be one to two phone calls a day, until I told him I wanted him to leave me alone. Then the calls started coming in every hour with him begging and pleading for me to talk to him. Without caller ID, I needed to answer the phone because of the school and my part-time job. At this point, it was November, and I was a wreck. I was tired of having to plan out doing simple things like going for food or walking to a bus stop. Stress wasn't helping me recover from my injury, and I was losing weight, and I just looked sickly. I went back to the RA, and I begged her to help me. She went to the head of the dorms and explained everything that had happened. I explained how far this had gone, and my roommate even told me that he had followed her a few times, demanding that she tell him where I was. 
I felt awful. She never told me this because she was afraid of upsetting me further and I felt like a total a-hole for putting her through this garbage. I don't know what went on behind closed doors from what I guess. He was told to leave me alone and any further contact would result from him being kicked out of the dorms. There was one email where he went insane on me, telling me how awful I was and how could I do this to him. We were so happy together. Surely I was cheating on him with other men. After that, nothing. At first, when I'd see him on campus, I would run to the women's toilets and hide. I'd see him around town or on campus, and he'd always just stare at me. Never tried to approach me, never tried to get my attention. Just staring. I used to walk by and try to pretend I didn't notice him staring, and I'd try and act like my heart wasn't pounding. But it was. That story was from Leah. When I first moved into a new place in a new town, I had left home one evening and accidentally left my garage door open. No biggie, I texted my husband to tell him so he could go home and close it. He gets there and he tells me that it's not open. Hmm, that's strange, but okay. The next day, I'm taking my trash out. My neighbor was outside. He introduced himself to me and he told me that the night before he noticed me leaving and I left my garage door open, so he went inside and closed it and let himself out through the front door only locking the doorknob lock. But then he sent me a Facebook friend request. I'm assuming that he looked at the mail on the counter to find out my full name. After this, he wrote me poems and taped them to my door. He left gifts on the front porch. Made crazy Facebook posts about a woman that he was in love with who was forbidden. I'm assuming because I'm married. One Saturday night, I came home really late and I was finishing my cigarette outside of my garage before going in. He was sitting outside in a chair, blistering drunk. He approached me and started talking about someone named George. I had no idea who he was going on about and kind of confused, to be honest. I asked him if he had company. He walked into the garage and came out with a box containing George. It turns out that George was his stepdad. Oh, and he was dead. The ashes were in the box. He caught wind of a trip that I was going on via Facebook and invited himself along. I politely explained that I'm married and all of his wacky behavior was unacceptable. A few days later, I'd gone on a walk with my husband and we left the garage, leaving the door open. He messaged me on Facebook and told me that he left a gift for me in my garage. When I got back, I found a bunch of camping gear inside of a giant Easter egg. After I got back from the trip, he showed up at the door at midnight, drunk and banging on the door. Long story short, we moved. That story was sent from an anonymous listener. August 2001. Like most freshmen, I lived in the dorms at a state party school. A good buddy from military school, Bill, went to the same college and lived a few doors down in the same dorm as me. For the most part, the first month or so of college was eh, normal. 
I went to most of the classes, partied just about every night, chased girls around, and that was enough for the moment. But things began to change one night sometime in mid-September, and college for me would never be normal again. My dorm phone rings in the middle of the night. Uh, Hello? On the other end, I can only really describe the voice as the kind that you picture when you think about a computer talking. Kind of like the early model car GPSs. Hi, Gary. How are you today? Not fully awake. I'm just confused at this point. Who is this? He repeats. Hi, Gary. How are you today? It becomes clear that I'm being effed with. So I hang up and and chuckle. Effing Bill. Nice one. I pass back out. I end up forgetting about the call for a few days and I never mention it to Bill. Or anyone else for that matter. But a week later, I get another call around the same time of night. Hi, Gary. I'm watching you. Nice. Very cliche. Seriously, Bill, how are you not knee-deep in Everclear and Tri-Delt at this hour? Enough already. Cade, my roommate, is going to start getting pissed, so I hang up the phone. I casually confront my oh-so-clever amigo at breakfast the next morning. He gives me a genuinely confused response. Whatever. So a couple days after the second call, I come home and I see I had multiple messages on my answer machine. What the hell? I barely knew that thing even worked. And of course, it's computer voice guy. Message one. My machine cuts off after the first one to two seconds of a message, which tells me it's a bot set to play message upon answer. Hi, Gary. I'm watching you. Message two. I thought I asked you to answer my calls, Gary. Message three. Where might Gary be on a Tuesday night? The calls start coming more frequently over the next couple of months, starting at once a week, then to once every two or three days, up to literally every day by Christmas break. Christmas break was uneventful, and I'm back to school determined to become a new man. First night back, I get my first spring semester call from the computer guy. How is your family? In Cyprus, which is a hometown suburb. Okay, now this is FNBS, man. Calls become threatening and downright dark. I'm very interested, Gary, in being close to you. I have tools I can bring. It's going to be all over soon. One day I bring Bill and all my other buddies up to hear the messages. I never deleted a single one for some reason. The guys are literally in shock. Around March, the calls were coming in no fewer than 10 or 15 every single day. Seriously. But I finally get the message I'd been waiting for. The day, time, location are set. We will meet in front of Coleman Hall at midnight, Wednesday, the 27th of April, and we will take our friendship to the next level. My home team crowd steadily built up throughout the afternoon and evening. I left with about a 15 to 20 member platoon. I decided earlier that I was not going to allow all these knuckleheads to shadow me, but I could definitely use them in case of an emergency. I didn't want to risk him spooking out of the meat, so I let them know that they will need to stay inside the doors of the common area while I walk out to the meeting spot. About a hundred paces out from my spot, I observed two things at the same time. One, some kind of small quick movement in front of the patio walkway that goes all the way around the building. 
and two, the movement was in a spot along the walkway where the only normally uber-bright bulb is out. I'm not exactly sure exactly how I was able to see him, but I suddenly realized someone is crouched behind one of the cookie-cutter bushes outside the patio perimeter against one of the building pillars. Dressed in dark clothes and a hoodie, he's a few feet away from the path where I'm supposed to meet him, and positioned where I really should not have been able to see him. Given the pillar blocking any shadow, plus the burnout light, which I later found out had actually been smashed. In fact, I could have easily walked all the way to the door without ever noticing someone down there. Nope. I sort of jump mid-step as this happens, and I see him raise up a little, thinking I might have seen him. I see him raise up and take a step toward me, and fight or flight hits. Before I realize what I'm doing, I'm in a dead sprint towards this MFR. I'm guessing that he sees what I can't yet, which is my platoon busting through the glass doors in hot pursuit. Computer voice guy takes off running on the patio alongside the Coleman Hall toward the parking lot. I realize that I'm moving fast enough to catch him, but everyone else is really far behind. I also realize that I'm moving so fast that I won't be protected as I turn hard right at the corner of the building. If he stops there, I'm toast. As I turn the corner... I see the van sitting alone in a parking lot in front of me. It's running and the brake lights flicker on then off. Park into drive. And it begins inching forward toward the exit. Home Slice is of course heading for the van, which for some reason sent this whole new level of fear into me. This is it. This is really happening and I'm going to get effing murdered tonight. But I can't stop. Something keeps me moving forward. I guess I'd come this far, dealt with this crazy BS for almost a full year now, completely unable to do anything other than just try to ignore it. If I could get close enough to do a dive tackle, I would still be on my own to deal with this creepster, his driver, and now I realize there's a third one that was manning the sliding side door. Awesome. I don't care how badass you think you are when you're 19-year-old jock. Your chances of taking down three grown men that are already violent criminals and prepared to victimize you are about one and not effing gonna happen. My turn is wide and slow due to being full on sprint, and I lose ground. I'm probably 20 yards from the lot when he does a flying leap into the side of the van. There couldn't have been any rows of seats for a leap like that. Creepster number three slams the sliding door shut as the van peels out of the parking lot, bangs right, and it's gone in an instant. We finally start walking back and I'm reliving the scene as we retrace our steps. As we get closer to the original meeting spot, I see something that scares me more than anything else in the entire equation has up to this point. On the opposite side of the pillar where Creepy McCreeperson was crouching, there's a video camera sitting on a stand pointed right at the spot that I would have been standing at when I should have been able to notice him. It's still recording. That story was sent to us by Gary. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.